Welcome to Sandlot Sports, where we're not scared of Eminem spokes candy or spokespeople. I am Adam Gapperson. I'm here with Dorian Cody. Stay away from my cooter. Goodbye, cooter. <laughs> and, and BJ Thomas. <laughs> Who gives a shit about Eminem's? Uh, apparently, it's some big uproar about Eminem's. A, they're not sexy enough, apparently. Um, and B, when you flip them around, they you know they're W's, and that stands for woke. So you know they're pissing off the conservatives. Are they being canceled? <laughs> They, they canceled m ms <laughs> <laughs> So we'll, we'll get to the NFL. Um, we'll start start um, just kind of chronological order from this past weekend. Um, start with the Jacksonville-Kansas City game. And I got to tell you, Dorian, I, your team just needs some more seasoning. No. They really do. They're, they're, they're going on the right trajectory. When the opposing team's quarterback goes out, mm-hmm. And they bring in the corpse of a veteran that play, literally played in high in college back when Michigan lost to Appalachian State. In fact, he was the quarterback of that team. <laughs> you should be you should be able to stop them from scoring a touchdown. Absolutely. I'm not even worried about that. And any backup can engineer a drive. I'm trying to figure out how he lost the rest of the game to a one-legged quarterback. <laughs> yeah. But no. to be fair, it is Pat Mahomes. Right, but he couldn't move left or right, and they didn't have the That's common true. sense to pressure him up the middle. Like it made yeah, no sense. True. Made yeah. no sense to me. So I'd I'd fire the defensive coordinator and get a linebacker that can pressure. Absolutely. Um, or don't yeah. fumble at the four yard line. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Was just like like you said before, man. We just need some seasoning. Well, first off, I'm, I'm sure we probably had some guys on the team that was. Oh, I'm just glad to be here, right? Um, also, too, like you said before, we just need seasoning and i'm sure that doug Peterson is going to address that in in the off season one of the things that we need to address is bringing back evan england we need to bring him back um i don't know if we'll be able to afford him because i think he's going to be looking for uh something lucrative not too big but i don't know where we'll be able to pay him but um yeah that 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 game like you said if we if that fumble wouldn't have happened i don't know if the chiefs would have won that game Honestly, it, it just that that fumble, that that momentum, that was momentum killer. I, I knew when that fumble happened, I'm like, yeah. And, that's, and that's, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to come from that. That's why I hate analytics. That's why mm-hmm. I hate, like, well, the numbers say this. No, the numbers do not say this specific situation of my team is driving, the, I'm on the road, the crowd is scared, we need to go for this. And like, mm-hmm. no, that, that's not in the numbers. Mm-hmm. And you're right, that, that fumble at the four-yard line seemed to just kind of deflate them. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, if I was, I'm not gonna lie. If I was a player on the Jags and that fumble happened, I, that would deflate me too. So I'm like, damn, we giving the ball to this motherfucker, here, and we know he's gonna be enough to score. Yeah. And, so and, you know. Yeah, and I will say this: that even even more deflating than that was when they were down twenty to seventeen, mm-hmm. and they had just scored, and it's like, okay, we got this. And as BJ said, you let a one-legged quarterback drive mm-hmm. down the field. And just rip your throat out. Yeah. And Kelsey was like, wow. I'm like, bro, like you can't like, is there any, like you can't put two, two guys on him, which I don't know if that'll work or not, but it's like, he's like wide open catching passes. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I was seeing that they were, I don't know why they were worried about uh, the, the running back out of the outfield. I mean, out of the backfield Pacheco to catch any balls out there. I'm like, he, you know, he's going to Kelsey. He's going to Kelsey. It's like common sense. He's going to Kelsey. And Kelsey was still a few parts. 
and I'm going to re- reiterate Major's point. Your defensive coordinator needs to needs to take a lot of the blame for that. Absolutely. Kelsey had 14 receptions. Yep. The entire team had 27. And with Kelsey working over the middle, I'm not too sure you could have gotten pressure from your middle linebackers. But what you could have done is run stunts. You had to do something to force the center back into that backfield. Well, and he right. couldn't. He could not move left or right. The only thing he could do is step up. And that's right. probably that's probably why Kelsey has such a big day, because if he if he's not rolling to his left or right, his field of vision is right in front of him, and that's Kelsey. Right. You know, right. and you you double team Kelsey because what do you do? Do you throw to to Kadarius Tony? No, you double team Kelsey and you hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, but I mean, it's definitely um, a lesson learned, man. Uh, I mean, I'm a lot of people like when we first started the season. If you would have said Jacksonville going to the playoffs, people would have laughed like, "Yeah, right." I, mean, I think I yeah, hoping, we would have too. Yeah, they would. They yeah. would have laughed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I mean, it was major improvement. I just hope to, to to build on it. But the question also out of that game too is on the Kansas City side. If you're pretty much, they took what was given to them. Kelsey was was given to them, so they that they took it, which that was common sense, right? But going up against a team like Cincinnati, yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a, okay. in, a, in a little bit. Don't worry, that that's on the docket. Okay. But yeah, that they don't ever since Tyreek Hill left, they don't have really any other options other than Kelsey. Yeah, and McCole Hartman is still hurt, right? Yeah, he's, he's injured. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the you know, I, I know I joked about it, but your your wide receiving weapons are Travis Kelsey, Kadarius Tony, JoJo Smith Luster. Yeah. Like, yeah. other than Kelsey, none one of those scare you. Right. At all. Which is why, like you said, Jacksonville should have doubled Kelsey and say, "Okay, Kadarius Tony, uh, beat us." Yeah. You no. Know? And this opportunity. And then speaking of just daring another quarterback to beat you, Philadelphia dared Daniel Jones to beat him, and he went, nope, I'm done. <laughs> well, there's there's no quarterback in the playoffs working with less than Daniel Jones is, first of all. True. You know, and from a weapon standpoint or from a talent standpoint? Both. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just I want to make sure that was clear. No, his his wide – I mean, Sterling Shepard might have played one game this year. Mm-hmm. And he's been working on like practice, practice squad wide receivers the whole season. He's made a bigger jump than almost any player this season. Yeah, and he was still the worst of the twelve quarterbacks that played over the weekend. That's fine, but right, you can't expect a guy to go from zero to hero in a season. That would be miraculous. That'd be something that all of us would be talking about. So, which was good. Which is really funny because that's what Fox and ESPN and CBS and them were saying because of the way he treated that. Just they're just historically bad Minnesota. Defense. They're just they're just generating clicks in the world's in one of the biggest cities in the world. That's it. Yeah. So well, they're trying to get New York to click on their articles. And again, they like they played against a historically bad playoff defense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're you're gonna look good. I mean, you're not gonna look great. You know, based on the talent, both his and receiving talent, but that Minnesota defense was not name, that Philadelphia defense. Name the Giants tight end. They have one, Bellinger. <laughs> <laughs> name name their second wide receiver. Um, isn't Hodges? Hodges? They're all second wide receivers. You could have named anyone. 
<laughs> I'm serious. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm really going to be interested to see what they can do in the off season and his second season under this uh, this coach. It's going to be very interesting to see well, what the Giants can do. And and my thing is is his rise in play. Yeah, his talent really hasn't changed, but his rise in play correlates to when Saquon Barkley came back healthy. And that's not an option. Uh, well, yeah, and Brian Dayball might be an offensive genius too. Maybe. Play calling, scheming, things like that. So that also helped him. Uh, where he can improve is mentally. And another year with that coach and that system, and hopefully a healthy Saquon Barkley, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Now, I believe he's a free agent this year. They need defensive help, though. Those linebackers are trash. Yes. Yeah. You know why I know? One of them is Jalen Smith, which got kicked <laughs> off the Cowboys for being trash. And our linebacking core is still trash. So if the Cowboys linebacking core is still trash and they gave up Jalen Smith, Jalen Smith, what do you think the Giants linebacking core is? Trash. <laughs> he's the guy from Notre Dame, right? That yeah. Blew out his Broke knee his in, leg the in the ball. Yeah. So it'd be. I believe Daniel Jones is a free agent this year. And I believe the Giants are talking about giving him $40 million a year. It's the going rate, unfortunately. I, and that, that's the unfortunate part because he he's better than, I would say, the bottom third of the league. But I mean, you're going to have to pay him. Otherwise, he's going to leave. And then you're just stuck. Mm-hmm. You're stuck with Mike Glennon and whoever you can draft. Mm-hmm. And a bad and, quarterback draft. And, and a, yeah. And I, I guess my question coming out of that game is, is Philly really that good? Or is the Giants defense really just that bad? Or both? I think the Giants defense is not that great. I looked it up earlier. I think they're like 17th in the league in total defense. Which is middle of the pack, obviously. Yeah. Which is pretty bad for a playoff team. Yeah. And you're playing against a team that will just wear you down on. So I'm trying to pull up the numbers now. I'm trying to obviously trying to stall because that's what we do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're the giants were terrible. And again, I'm not entirely sure if that was just the Eagles just being the Eagles or if that was more. More the giants just were bad. Mm, they're actually ninth on NFL. But that's in yards per game. That's not yeah. like a total defense thing. But but rushing yards per game, which is what they were going against, they were 26th on rushing yards allowed per game. There is your problem. Yeah, and, subpar. Yeah, and that, that's where... Philly you know, makes their bread and butter is is running. Now, Jalen Hurts has gotten better as a passer. Um, I do not agree with whatever dipshit posted today that he's an Alabama quarterback because mm-hmm. that's like saying that Ohio State can claim Joe Burrow. Yeah, it's true. So, um, I forget who said it, but they were like, "Yeah, uh, this is the first Ohio State quarter, uh, first Alabama quarterback to win a playoff game since '83." I don't know. He's a Sooner. <laughs> no, no, he, <laughs> he was drafted out of Oklahoma because he was yep. benched at Alabama. Yeah, he did also play three seasons there, though. Still, I don't, I don't count him as an Alabama quarterback. I mean, three out of four—that's seventy-five percent. Seems like an Alabama quarterback. 
<laughs> so it, what about Russell Wilson? Is he an NC State quarterback or is he a Wisconsin quarterback? That would also depend on how many seasons he played at NC State. He played four at NC State. Well, there you go. There's your answer. Four out of five is 80%. Seems like NC State quarterback. I go by where he's drafted from. He's got 14. Jalen Hurts had 14, 28 games started in Alabama and 14 Oklahoma. So two thirds. Yeah. So Jalen Hurts might be the best professional Alabama quarterback. If you if you want to classify him as an Alabama quarterback, then yes. Because I know we've talked about on the show is Alabama quarterbacks generally do not do well in the NFL. No. So two Tua just beat him out that last year. He was at Alabama. Yeah. Oh Tua didn't necessarily beat him out that year. He beat him out in the title game when he did absolutely nothing against Georgia and Tour came in and saved the day. Because if you remember going into the season after that, that was just, that was sophomore year, the junior year, uh Tua was starting. Yeah. And it was it was a fight. It's like, well, if Hertz struggles, Tua's right there. And I want to say Hertz started game one and Tua came in. Um, but my memory is not what it used to be. Yeah, I think Tua came in, was it the end of the second quarter or like, like towards the second quarter and then he just halftime he's benched at halftime of sophomore season. he was he was benched at halftime of that championship game yeah because i want to say two, he was like one for ten or it was terrible two has started the whole season his junior season and then he relieved Tua in the 2018 sec championship against georgia yeah and i believe he led the comeback in that yeah then he went to Oklahoma. Yep. A step down in competition and magically his number jumped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll move on to the Cincinnati Buffalo game. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll ask BJ what his thoughts were on that snow game. I'm going to tell you what, as much as Dallas gets hate, Buffalo should be getting the same hate. Yes. Only I would argue that they might be more offensively talented. They they don't have a better defense, but their offense is much more talented. And and um, I guess I guess with Buffalo is, do they build an inside dome team to play in the snow? I don't know. And then Josh Allen came out and said his elbow has been uh, hurting his delivery. I don't doubt that. Yeah, there there was rumors that that there was going to be something that came out that his his elbows were were jacked up. Well, here's uh, because, the problem: NFL teams likely to do that, whether or not it's true. Yeah, I'm still waiting for him to say something about Dak's thumb. Oh, but that, I, yeah, Jerry, that would also be Jerry admitting he's wrong. So I don't know if that's going to happen. Oh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. But yeah, that's that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, also, too, you can tell that. Josh Allen misses Brian Dable. He misses him. Because there were because a lot of throws that Josh Allen should have made, he would have made and Brian Dable was was still the offensive coordinator. Like, like like it was the one play towards uh I think it was the third quarter or whatever. Man, Stefan Diggs was wide open right in his view. And he just went over. He tried to go over. Uh, to pass to Gabe Davis, I think. And, and how is that the offensive coordinator's fault? It, the thing is, it's like, for what 
uh, what I've read, the the offensive coordinator is their job to not only help uh, design the plays, but make sure that the quarterback pays attention to to detail and is checked. Well, right. and 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 I get that. But would you say would you say Josh Allen's better than Daniel Jones? Yes. Okay, look what Brian Dayball did to Daniel Jones. But but he brought, no, him, up, he brought him up to the middle of the pack. So yeah. this, like just like I said with Daniel Jones, the scheming, the strategy, and yeah. working to get certain players open that's is it. huge. Okay, that, that's that's a good point. But that's what Dorian it. was saying was that Josh Allen missed an open receiver to go to somebody else. That's not offensive coordinator. That's the quarterback misreading the play. What I'm, I'm looking at these game stats. I'm trying to figure out how they ran the ball 19 total times between three people. Well, Josh Allen had eight carries for 26 yards. Devin Singletary had six for 24. Singletary, excuse me. And James Cook had five for 13. How do you only run the ball 19 times? In the snow. So, and, and that was the thing. Like, that game was basically over by the end of the first quarter. It was 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. And Buffalo really never seemed to be in sync. Right, but you don't quit, you don't give up on the running game until at least the middle of the third quarter. This is true. And, and that goes back to your point about the offensive corner. Ken Dorsey's in over his head. He's been in over his head since he got to the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, here are the first five drives of that game. Cincinnati touchdown, Buffalo three and out. Cincinnati touchdown, Buffalo three and out. Cincinnati punt. And by, by that time, it was 14 nothing, and it was the end of the first quarter. Yeah, but with the rules the way they are nowadays and the way offenses are going, that's nothing to overcome. 14 points is nothing. I agree. But to, to, my, end, to my point, it's a mentality thing. They're basically just mentally checked out of the game. And you got a guy like Stephon Diggs. I just don't understand how in the biggest game of the year to date, he has four catches. Right. He did have 10 targets, though. So maybe that's more of the defense. Yeah, I just saw what happened with C.D. Lamb over the course of the season, though. They were using him static and outside or inside and not moving him. And then all of a sudden they started moving him. He started having like seven to ten catch games, 100-yard mm-hmm. games, touchdowns. Like You can't let people touch your best receiver. Right. Well, that's why slot receivers normally have a lot of catches, just because of the way they line up. Mm-hmm. So start running them out of the slot and make something happen. And that's where I think Brian Dayball would have made the difference. Yeah, I don't disagree. But again, I go back to what Dorian was saying when I said about the offensive coordinator. If Josh Allen's missing open targets, if he's misreading the play, that's on the quarterback. Whether he's got Brian Dayball, whether he's got Doug Nussmeyer, doesn't matter who he's got. If he's misreading the play, that's on him. Now, if the play is bad, that's on the on the coordinator. It also could be that too. Maybe Dayball was comfortable doing what Josh Allen wanted. Ken Dorsey's trying to get him to do other things he might not be as comfortable with. I don't know if that's the case, but it is a possibility. Yeah, Yeah, I've heard two comparisons to Josh Allen from from NBA players, and I wanted to get your thoughts on them. One, he's Luka Doncic, has so much talent, but nothing around him. The other is he's James Harden, where he just can't do it in the big – big moments mm. Mm. i don't know mm. if he's luca yeah they're not they're not that star for talent yeah 
So is he more James Harden or is it just a stupid comparison? I think they're stupid comparisons. I don't know. I just he's tough to read because he is a, he's a good quarterback, but is he great? I just don't know. And that's the thing. I mean, uh, other than Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, who obviously are playing this weekend, who are the great quarterbacks in the NFL? Or are those just two just on the tier on the, uh, by themselves? Aaron Rodgers is still up there. Tom Brady's still up there. I, I, it's very frustrating when people are talking about Tom Brady. His whole offense and defense fell apart the first six weeks of the season. Their, their, their uh, injury list was just full of possible all pro talent. Um, yeah. Good. Tom Brady is up there. It's top tier of all time. Cerebro. No, he's still playing at a top tier level. He still has the arm strength. He still reads defenses properly. Um, they're just, they had a problem with injuries this year. And I think there was a clear rift between him and Byron Leftwich, which I'm not saying Byron Leftwich is not a talented play caller and offensive coordinator, but he went up against Tom Brady and lost, and that's going to happen to every offensive coordinator in this league. So do you think um, Tampa should bring him back next year? Brady? Um, yes. That's not up to them. Okay. I mean, I know that's it's a, up to Brady, but – that's a, you... Yeah, no. no. Um, well, they aren't going to have a choice. Either Tom is going to come back or he's not. Okay, let, so me, if, let me rephrase my question. Should, should Tom Brady anybody, come back next year? Anybody should. I'd take Brady over Dak at this point. Okay. Well, you'd also take um, Aaron Rodgers over Dak. Well, yeah, anybody with common sense would. (laughs) And and that goes back to my my last question of, should Green Bay bring Aaron Rodgers back? I don't know. Um, If they aren't going to do anything to to put some little more talent around him, I'm not sure they want him in that locker room. Yeah, and, and here's the thing that complicates that question is that next year, is Jordan Love's last year under contract. Aaron Rodgers came out today and said he's willing to rework his contract. I I heard that. So that's huge. That would allow them to make some moves in the offseason. But with Jordan Love being in the last year of his contract, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't stay or doesn't stay more than one year, Green Bay doesn't have an extra strategy. Well, I'm trying to figure out why we look at Jordan Love like some kind of asset. Well, and, and that, that's the question is, do you keep him or do you try to draft someone else? Or do you try I, to get someone else? I think there's, there's, they should be looking for a quarterback, no doubt. Yeah. Well, I mean, who, who's out there? Who, who's out there that could know. be a good bridge quarterback until you – I'm talking about in the draft. I'm not talking about um, free agency. Okay, well, who would you draft? Somebody that wants to be there, one. And I don't think it's going to be that hard, even in this draft, to find somebody that's more talented and probably a better reader of defenses than uh, George Love. So, Will Levins? Or... Like I said, I don't think all those guys I would rather have at this point than Jordan Love. Jordan Love is a step above Trey Lance. And not really a big step. So, I just don't, I'm just, I don't know, I'm not excited about Jordan Love. Never have been. That's fair. I mean, I, I, as Green Bay, you you have to either see what you have or what you don't. And if you're going to cut Jordan Love, that's fine. I mean, they're free to do whatever they want or just let him walk. Again, you're free to do whatever you want as, as an organization. You know that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be there for more than probably two more years. Yeah. 
So you need to have some type of exit strategy coming out coming out in 2025. I would say that depends on how it goes. If, if you put Aaron Rodgers in a situation where he can still play at a high level, he'll stick around for a little bit. His arm, I haven't seen anything that leads me to believe his arm's in, in decline. I would say his 99-mile-hour fastball is down to a 96 or 97, which is still up there, but he can't fit it into I'm trying the to figure. I'm trying to figure out what you saw to see that. I have not seen anything watching any Green Bay game in the cold, in a dome, in the wind that would lead me to believe that he has arm problems. And that's the biggest thing with quarterbacks. Yeah. So if, if their lower half stays together, that arm's going to go eventually, the elbow, the shoulder, something. I'm not seeing it. I want to say he had the most interceptions this year that he's ever had. He had he's 12 also, interceptions. He also has a, a, a receiving squad with an average age of 12. They're all I, kids. Yeah, but he's trying to fit the balls in the windows that he used to that he just can't anymore. I don't think that's the case. He's dealing with people that aren't maybe the best route runners and might not be hundred percent in the system. And you're not going to replace the entire wide receiving core. No, that's why I think he's gone. But I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. He had to make plays this year. And he was making plays with guys that have little to no experience. So it's okay if if you're gonna lose by 10, might as well lose by 30 or 40. At least I tried. <laughs> okay, Mel Kuiper. <laughs> well shit, I'd rather I'd rather put some effort into it and sit on my hands and lose by 10. And I just I I don't think he has the talent to be a top tier quarterback. I think he's a second tier quarterback. I think he's above Derek Carr. I think he's above Daniel Jones. I think he's above Dak, but I don't think he's up in the Burrow Mahomes category anymore. Shit. Put him on the Bengals and see what happens. Shoot. Shit. With T Higgins. Uh, what's his name? Dude from Pitt. Jamar Chase. No, Jamar Chase and the other one. Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Those guys. Put him on there and see what happens. Shit. Shit, I say put Aaron, you put Aaron Rodgers on the Bucks. Aaron Rodgers on the Bucks. I think that'd be a whole no. different no. story. That, they got left tackle problems. That dude was holding to save his life. First play of the game against the Cowboys, he just tackled Michael Parsons. I was like, long day for you, bud. No, <laughs> uh, uh, um, the Bucks got a lot of work to do. Their defense is also getting old. Especially yeah. in the front seven. Yeah. So, I mean, as Tampa, even if, if Brady wants to say, do you want him to stay or do you want to just completely blow the whole thing up? I don't think Tom's going back there, so I don't think it matters. Okay. That, that's that's the key point is Brady's a free agent. Yeah. There's no contract yeah. obligations to the Bucs. So, it's what Brady says, and I don't think he's not going back there. So, the Bucs better blow it up. Yeah. I, I keep hearing rumors of Vegas. That's that's a bad combination. That defense is kind of shitty. I don't think it's a bad combination. I, no, I, I think from a football perspective, I think it's a good combination. You put him out with um, Waller and, and Adams, I think it's a great combination. I think putting Tom mm-hmm. Brady in Vegas is a bad idea. Yeah, I'll tell you this. He'll be fine with it. Yeah, if Tom, if Tom Brady goes to Las Vegas, Hunter Renfro will be the leading receiver on that team. I oh, guess. Yes. 100%. <laughs> Oh, Brady has a little white mighty mouse back. He tried to turn Scotty. <laughs> tried to turn Scotty Miller into that, but Brady be throwing passes to you know to the slot and be like, "Hey, Danny, no, I'm not Danny, but no, you're Danny. No, I'm Hunter. No, Wes, Wes, Wes. I'm not Wes. I'm Hunter. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, just go ten yards, curl in. I got you. Yeah, it's like it's like having a job <laughs> where your boss doesn't know your name. 
Hey, Bobby, I'm not Bobby. I don't care. Your name is Bobby. What? Exactly. You know what? Your your new name is Slot. No, Slot. So Slot. You know, your, your, your name is Y. What? Y receiver. That is your name. I don't care what, what your mama calls you. I'm calling you Y receiver. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Um, uh, so since we're speaking on um, real quick. So I was reading that a lot of the Cowboy fans should think they, they believe that they should trade Dak, like trade him somewhere. But it's like what suitors will be there to that they can trade well, with. There's dumb franchises all over the place. Well, we might be able to pull it off with the Jets. What you, you would take uh, Zach Wilson? No, I'm talking about for draft picks. Yeah, picks As a matter of fact, I would trade Dak and a fourth round pick to the Jets to get rid of that contract. Yeah, and mm. that's the question. Like, and then sign if, Lamar Jackson. If you're Dallas, where do you go? Mm. If you get rid of Dak, do you bring in Lamar? Do you bring in Aaron or Tom or Hell somebody? Yeah, you bring in Lamar. Ooh, man. Because if Lamar doesn't see it, he leaves. Yeah. Man, if the Cowboys got their hands on Lamar, that running game is going to be scary. Because I think okay. that'll revive. Well, Z. you're you're assuming one thing. They're going to franchise Tony Pollard. Yeah, you're yeah. you're assuming that Kellen Moore can actually call a game that suits Lamar Jackson. I'm not sure Lamar Jackson's going to be there, and Kellen Moore doesn't have a problem with LPO or, or run pass options. Hmm. They were doing him there for a while until Dak broke his ankle. Yeah, that'll be. I would not want to see that team in the playoffs with Lamar and Zeke in the backfield. In the dome, exactly. you're taking Lamar out of the elements and putting him in a dome for most of his games. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would want to see that. But yeah, I would I'd get rid of Dak in a heartbeat. Send well, him to Car- send him to Carolina. Don't even ask for anything back but a fifth round pick. I'll give you Dak and a fourth for a fifth. Yeah, and, and here, here's the funny thing about uh, about Dak's contract is his cap hit is actually less than Derek Carr's is. His cap hit is less than Kirk Cousins is. Uh, Dallas has been doing team friendly contracts since Romo. The worst one they have is Zeke's, and they can still bail out of it this year. They'd only have dead, a six million dead cap hit, and then five million next year. So now, going back to which, a point you made earlier, does Jerry Jones actually admit he made a mistake and get rid of one or both of them? Well, Zeke came out today and said he will rework his contract and take less money to stay with the Cowboys. Hmm. But is that what's right for the Cowboys? He had twelve touchdowns this year. He's a great goal line back. Yeah. Well, and- and he's one of the best. He's probably the best pass protecting back in the league. My question, though, is is he what is is Zeke what's best for the Cowboys, or do you give Tony Pollard more carries? They're going to franchise Tony and probably run the same offense back. Okay, Tony Pollard going out of that game was huge. Yeah, yeah. Ask the I mean, Cowboys social media team. <laughs> well, it absolutely was. He's the game breaker. Him and CD. Yeah. And once you take one of them out of there, they're down to one guy doing all the work. And if you notice, CDs used to jump after that. Yeah. Well, I, I did think it was funny. Um, the announcers, I wasn't paying attention to who it was. I think was it Greg Olson, maybe? Um, that was talking about CD Lamb's pinky was was broken. They popped it back in place. I'm like, I don't know how he's going to catch it. And the next thing he catches like a 50 yard bomb. Probably the best catch <laughs> of the playoffs by any team. <laughs> Dealing with pass interference, faded away, wound up landing on his back and caught the ball when he was parallel to the ground. Dude's a baller. Mm-hmm. Um, what frustrates me on that is that was like a 47-yard throw and Dak underthrew it. Yeah. 
So, I mean, are, are, you, are you willing to say that, that Brock Purdy outplayed Dak? No, he survived the Cowboys. That's fair. Yeah. No, the defense did exactly what they were supposed to do. I mean, Purdy didn't make the mistake that Dak did. Yeah, that's it. Now, he almost take, did. He almost give us, fucked up the, the first half. You give us those two possessions back to Dak through interceptions on, it could be, we could be talking about a completely different situation. And, and that's very true. So, like, at, at the end of the half where Dak threw that interception and then Purdy almost fucked up the, the two-minute drill, but they got a field goal. That's at least a six, if not a ten-point swing. That's the game. Yep. And uh, which is why I will forever say that this playoff was solely Dak's fault. The defense did everything they were supposed to do. Turpin was doing great kick and punt returns. He had a 30, 40 yard kick return. Um, the Brian Anger, the punter, was putting him in tough situations and they were covering the punts well. I think he only had one where he got loose for 10, 15 yards. Um, the offensive line was effective. Even though there, a lot of them, were, some were coming back from injury, some were banged up, they were still effective. Tony Pollard was effective. Now, how much of the lack of faith in your kicker played a role in the play calling? I don't know. Uh, if I remember correctly, Dex interceptions in the middle of the field, so I don't think we can. No, the the one was I want to say it was in the red zone at the end of the half. It might have been. I was pissed off by that point. <laughs> let me let me yeah. Pull yeah, the the interception he had at the end of the half was at the 18. They were at the 18, so they were in yeah. the red zone. Maybe could could be contributed to the uh, to the kicker. What down was that on? Second. I don't think so. Okay. If you said it was on third or fourth, I'd be like, yeah, that was because of him. But not on second down. What was it? Second and what? Second and two. <laughs> no, that had nothing to do with the kicker. <laughs> that's a stupid play call. That's what that was. <laughs> so, and the other interception they had was at their own 21. Yeah, and that had absolutely nothing to do with the kicker. No. So, yeah, that's a very frustrating situation to watch. Um, probably the best defense I've seen the Cowboys have in a very long time. Yeah, it it was a great defensive struggle game. It's something that like we grew up with. Thankfully, everybody's under contract. Yeah, and that that defense is going to be solid. And again, what did you do on offense? I am so glad Micah Parsons called them out too. <clears throat> Micah Parsons said, you know, holding holding them to a touchdown and keeping Debo McCaffrey in check, and then we had two interceptions. He's about the only person on that team to get away with saying something. You don't think that's going to affect the locker room? I mean, obviously, the defense is going to agree with him. I don't care if he's there next year, so I don't give a shit. It needs to be said. He threw too many interceptions. We, we, way, we said the going to the playoffs that Dak had thrown too many way interceptions. Too many. Way too many. And a lot of them are him trying to force balls into places. This is also a byproduct of having receivers that don't get any separation. Michael Gallup doesn't get separation. He's just a big body that can jump, and he's very aggressive at the point of the catch. Mm-hmm. CD Lamb gets separation, but after a while, at a certain point in the season, people are going to figure out how to stop that. Yeah. Mahomes Don't, doesn't throw Mahomes doesn't throw that many interceptions, and he's got Kelsey and uh, several twos. Uh yeah, and those twos all get separation. They're fast at least. Mm. Juju Smith Schuster, fast. Nicole Hardman when he's healthy, fast. Kadarius Tony, fast. <laughs> 
They're all fast. They're all shifty. They can get a separation. Cowboys don't have that. Noah Brown, slow. Michael Gallup, slow. C.D. Lamb ran a 4-5. It's not fast in the NFL wide receiver. It's fast enough. Yeah. There, there were three games this entire year that Dak did not throw an interception. And I believe there were four games that Cooper Rush didn't throw an interception. So, Dorian, to your question that you asked in the group chat, if Cooper Rush plays that game, does Dallas win? Um, Hell no. Yeah. yeah he doesn't yeah, push yeah. the I'm, ball down the field. Yeah, I don't see a different outcome. That's the difference. Dak will at least go downfield. Cooper Rush has to be over the middle, close outside. He's not going down the field. That's one of the reasons they pulled him out. So if if the quarterbacks you have on the roster cannot get win you a the division round playoff game, because as you mentioned, the receivers can't make separation, is that solely on the quarterback's shoulders? Not saying well, that it absolves him completely, but is it solely on his shoulders? Yeah, the decision making's got to change. I mean, you can't keep he's beating a dead horse. He's doing the same shit over and over again trying to stick balls into people that are covered. Like, it doesn't work. But if, if they're not getting separation, they're going then to take off. Then take off. Yeah. And part and of you that have to do it, And you have to do it early and down. Part of that's Dak. Dak decides when to take off and when not to take off. And part of that's probably his injury from a couple of years ago. Look, you're a football player. You're in the playoffs. Either do it now or go home. Well, they're going home. <laughs> Yeah. So, you boys ready to pick the games this week? Yep. So, uh, Dorian, I know you wanted to talk about this earlier, so we'll we'll get to it now. San Francisco and Philadelphia. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Um, my thoughts is um, one question is will will Jalen Hurts be able to be a thorn in the San Francisco's defense side with his legs? Yeah. Um, because I one thing that I noticed that if if Dak would have ran a little bit more, they call plays for, for Dak to, or I would say not call plays, but let's say if Dak, you know, would have used his legs more, I think that the game would have been closer to the point where they probably would have won the game. Um, and with Jalen Hurts, you know that Jalen Hurts is a better runner at quarterback than the Dak, in my opinion. It's just a matter of like. Is that going to be enough to uh, withstand that San Francisco defense? Because those linebackers are crazy, man. Those that those linebackers are skilled um, with uh, with with Warner and Kinlaw and 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 Al Shahir. Like like that's a solid linebacking core. So will uh, Jalen Hurts be able to weather the storm against that uh, against those linebackers? Um, I know they have like. Um, I know they have a pretty solid running game, but I believe that San Francisco is going to say, all right, Jalen, you're going to beat us. You're going to beat us throwing the ball. We're not going to let you run. At least I would do that. I'm like, no, I'm not going to let him run. He, he's going to have to throw. He's got to get that ball to A.J. Brown. We're going to do everything we can to, uh, you know, to put some uh, eyes on, on A.J. Brown. So. Pretty interesting. I'm more. I saw how the Cowboys got their Brock Purdy, and the uh, Eagles had more sacks. So, mm. think about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what, what Purdy does in the offense is what you expect a quarterback to do. Make one or two reads, either Kittle or Ayuk. And if it's not there, immediately go to your check down, whether that's Debo or whether it's Christian McCaffrey. And that's what Purdy does. Now, he can be captain check down, and it's a matter of can Philly stop those check downs? Probably. I wouldn't put anything past Philly's defense this year. Unfortunately, the Eagles are probably going to the Super Bowl. I would love for the 49ers to win. It's okay. like a lesser of two evils for my situation. But. <laughs> but going back to Dorian's part about the Phillies running game, they've got Miles Sanders, who's I-8, and they've got Boston Scott, who's not I-8. He's just really good against the Giants. They're, they're made better because of Jalen Hurts' ability to run the ball. So, Dorian, to your point, can San Francisco stop Jalen Hurts from running the ball? I think they can. I think it, they've got the outside talent to stop him from running outside. And that's going to put more pressure on Sanders. It's going to put more pressure on, on Scott. And it's going to put more pressure on the arm of Jalen Hurts. As, 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 as tough as this is, I'm sure it's being said, they have to make every hit on Jalen Hurts count. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not going to say that in the media, but that's 100% true. Look, it takes two unsportsmanlike conduct falls to get kicked out of the game. They better bam his ass on the ground every chance they get. Exactly. It takes two unsportsmanlike conducts per person. So just because yeah. Bosa gets one doesn't mean someone else can't. <laughs> they need to bam his ass on the ground every chance they get and see how that shoulder feels. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure you could probably bribe Bosa with some type of random you know, Tell him he'll meet Trump after the game. <laughs> oh, God, he had like six sacks after that. Tell him he'll get an F-250 with flow growing <laughs> on the back of it if he gets two sacks. You throw in some truck nuts and he'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to keep him out of his mouth. <laughs> so as, as far as picking, I've got San Francisco. I think that the Philly defense is going to get to Purdy, but I think he, his checkdowns are going to beat the linebackers. And I think They're, that their checkdowns couldn't beat the Cowboys. We'll see. I also think that that Kittle is going to have a big game. They have better linebackers than the Cowboys. I'm picking the Eagles. You're picking the Eagles? As much as I hate to say it. Is there any way both their planes could crash and they can't play this game? Not Nobody hey. dies. Just crash. Like, not be able to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Dorian? Uh, this is tough. Um I have a feeling that that white chocolate might give the Eagles a hard time. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Philadelphia though. I think I think I think Philly's gonna edge them out. It's gonna be a close game. I have a feeling that it's, it's gonna be one of those 13-10 type games. If it's ugly like that, then I'm really liking my San Francisco pick. If oh, it's yeah. if it's yeah. a higher scoring game, party's probably not gonna be able to to keep up. But if it's a 13-10, 16-13 game, I really like my San Francisco pick. Because that means that that Philly Rainy game is not getting off like it has been. Right. So the the other game on Sunday, okay. So I want to say this: the Cincinnati Kansas City game. When this line came out, it was Kansas City by two. 
It is now Cincinnati by a point and a half. And that's as of two hours ago. That tells me that all of the sharp money un- knows that Mahomes is not going to be 100%. Or probably not even going to be 75%. Yeah. Um, also, too, um, to me, it just seems as if the Bengals has the, the Chiefs' number, man. On defense, the Chiefs has no answer for Jamar Chase at all. None. And then Hunter Hurst, um, the tight end for uh, the Bengals, he's starting to come alive, and I'm starting to see Burrow getting the ball to him more. Um I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doubting his Pat Mahomes, but it's just, I think, I think mentally, I think the Bengals are like, hey, we beat this team twice already. We can do it again. We got the talent. Defense starting to come together, playing, playing hard for each other again, like we did. I, um, I think, I think they have the confidence is where they can they can win this game. And BJ, what are your thoughts? Um. Uh- I don't know how a one-legged man's going to beat the Bengals. So I'm going with the Bengals. That's it. If Mahomes can even get 80% out of that leg, they're probably going to win. But I don't I don't see it happening. That looked that looked rough and he suffered that whole game. You can't tell me playing that game made it any better. No. And it it reminded me of Isaiah Thomas back in the 88 finals. When he sprained his ankle, that thing looked terrible. He gutted through it, had one of the best fourth quarters ever. And could not play the following game. Yep. And that's just what it reminds me of. He gutted it out, did what he could for his team to win. And it's just not going to get any better anytime soon, especially a high ankle sprain, which is normally a six to eight week injury. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a I had few of those. Yeah, I'm picking uh, Cincinnati, too. I just think that <laughs> I think Joe Burrow knows that they have the Chiefs number. You talk about a guy that's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I, I loved his comment uh, when they asked him, but like, well, you know, what do you guys think of winning? Go get your refunds. <laughs> now, there there was a conspiracy theory, which I don't buy into, but that the NFL was pushing hard for a neutral site conference t- title game because the rumor goes is that they were using it as a kind of a pilot to see could this work? And then you'd have two neutral site games, one for the AFC, one for the NFC every year, and have a neutral site game for the for the Super Bowl. Because then you could sell tickets ahead of time. You could sell hotels. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it, but that, that's that been out there. And I think that really got to the Bengals. The, the way the NFL and the media was pushing that neutral site game really just pissed them off. So with that, we'll take a break, and we'll be back in a little bit. And we're back. So there's going to be a milestone in the NBA probably this week. Um, LeBron's probably going to pass Kareem for the most points ever in a career. Does it mean anything other than just he's number one of the record books? Um, I think anytime you reach a milestone like that, I mean, it is of significance because it's like you're able to do only one other person. Did had the most points. And that was uh, Kareem. So, I mean, it's just a major accomplishment, but I don't think that it's going to put LeBron as uh, this overall greatest 
basketball player of all time because a lot of it has a lot to do with the mental part of the game, which that's been questioned with LeBron a lot. So, but I mean, kudos to him if, he, if he's able to, to, to get that uh, milestone. So, I mean, it, it does mean something for longevity. It does mean something for consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe a good chunk of those points came from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Kareem did not have that. And I know yeah. he had the three-point line later in his career. He did not have a three-point shot right. at all. Nice. Um, so a lot of his shots were obviously down low. And the sky hook was probably the most unblockable shot ever in the history of basketball. Yeah. And what determined a foul has changed also. Yes. Right. Right. You know, because Kareem played in the age of this, the 70s and 80s, specifically the, the 80s Celtics and the 80s Pistons. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, a major accomplishment to be able to have the most points in NBA history. Um, now, what would be sweeter is if you were able to hit a milestone like that and your team being the favorites to win an NBA championships, kind of like what's that? What's used to having the most points in your team? Maybe fighting for uh, a play-in tournament. So, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, the Lakers this year and last year have just been bad. I mean, and there's no no excuse for it. So the the Lakers' record this year is twenty two and twenty five. Mm. They just made a trade for Rui Hushmanior. Yeah, yeah. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, and, and I love the analysis. Well, this makes them a play-in team. <laughs> really, you're, you're the Lakers. You have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, and you're hoping that you make you're a play-in team. I can yeah. see if you're the Magic, hoping you make the play-in tournament. Not the Lakers. Not Lakers, right? We need to start. Uh keeping track of who's going to be the most expensive playing team ever. I think the Lakers are going to hold that title for quite some time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the the Warriors were up there when they had KD, Steph, uh, Clay, and Draymond. They were in the play-in? Oh, I thought you said the, the, most, the most expensive no. team. The most expensive play-in team. Oh, okay. Playing team. Most oh, yeah. expensive teams to not be in the top eight. Yes. Yeah. That's what we need to start paying attention to. Yeah. Because I think they're going to hold that record for a while. For a while. <laughs> and, you know, with, with inflation, your money does not go as far as it used to. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> Although, you know, if you get courtside seats, apparently you can get in a fight with the players and they'll just escort you down the, down the hallway and you can come back. I was waiting to see the uh, <laughs> NFL player, NBA player square off because they always talk about soft NBA players. I was waiting for it. And before we start saying Stephen Adams is tough, he hasn't fought yet. Right. Charles Oakley's tough. Bill Lambeer's tough. Like Stephen Adams just gets in between people. Right. That, that frustrates me. Everybody's like, Stephen Adams, you know, we got to worry about him. Why do we worry about him? Because he's big. Right. Never throwing a punch. That we've seen. That's true. Not in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not like Stephen Jackson crazy either. Yeah. It's yeah. not like it's Vernon Maxwell out there. Who at any minute could just like kill everybody in the stands? Yeah, or not only that, or James Johnson, the uh, the third degree black like belt, MMA undefeated, yeah, undefeated, yeah, undefeated, yeah. Shannon wouldn't want those problems. That's a well, whole separate different type of problem. And and I guess I guess <laughs> my issue is, Dorian, if you sat courtside, 
Mm-hmm. And you were, you know, getting into it with with the the bench of an opposing team. Mm-hmm. BJ, if you sat courtside and we're getting into it with the bench of, a, of an opposing team, and security walked you off the floor, are either one of you guys coming back? No, no but I'm not worth a couple million dollars either. No, I mean, it, I'd come back if they let me for sure. <laughs> yeah, but they're not letting you back. No, that's a privilege we don't have. No. And LeBron James himself actually had people kicked out for saying mean things to him. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, you remember that? He was in Indiana. And yeah. some, some couple was cussing him out, and he had them like, squirted out off the, the courtside se- seats. Yeah. I think they were saying uh, stuff about, about his, his kids. kids though. Yeah, that, that, yeah. If I could teach you a lesson, if you're talking shit about my kids and I could teach you a lesson, I'd do it. <laughs> yeah. I'd do it. I'd be like, hey, guess what? Fuck out of here. <laughs> teach the kids a lesson, too. Yeah, get out of here. Go sit somewhere. Yeah. You can watch us from the house, and you're not getting your money back. Exactly. And you can't ever come back. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how they keep up with that list. Do they have pictures of people? Well, I mean, shit, there's some buildings right now that know who you are when you walk in from facial identification. Yeah, it's facial recognition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a thing, and it's a thing I'm not a big fan of, but it's a thing. I mean, walking in a place with my face down. Yep. Just to be difficult. Yeah. I mean, like you can walk downtown Orlando and the police know exactly where you are at all times. Because they, you know, the, the technology that, that you've seen on CSI and all those shows, while the it's silly, it does exist. It may not be as, you know, great as they say, you know, enhance, 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 but it does exist. I just read something that said the, uh, Switching gears real quick. The Packers will not be trading Aaron Rodgers in the NFC. Okay. So he's going to, to um, Vegas. Or Denver. Or New York Jets. Or Pittsburgh. Or Pittsburgh. He goes to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will be my I'm the favorite, but they'll, they'll be up there. I see. I don't, I don't think he's going to Pittsburgh just because Kenny Pickett played better than we all thought he was going to. Yeah, it's still not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Aaron Rodgers, but I, but people in Pittsburgh believe that Kenny Pickett is the future. And you bring in Aaron Rodgers, and Pickett has no future. He does. Rodgers only be there for a couple of years. Yeah, but you're going to stun his growth to the point where it's, it's not going to matter. Well, so well, if you can, so, if you can do that to Pickett. For a couple of years, because I mean, it's not like he's a top twenty quarterback right now. Right now, if you had said Aaron Rodgers before the season to to Pittsburgh, one hundred percent. But I think they see enough on pick and pick it where they won't do that. Or you got Aaron Rodgers to go to Miami, a package deal to send two and some players or whoever. Two his little hands can't throw the football cold. Oh yeah, he's already got that noodle arm. I'm not sure Tua plays another another down in the NFL. I'm 100% saying that he shouldn't, but I'm 5% sure that he is done. The 95% tells me that somebody Shit. will take a chance on him and break, literally break him. They got a list of doctors that'll clear him. Dr. Sheila. Mm-hmm. A whole list of doctors, all the teams. Every team's got a list of doctors to clear Tua. Mm-hmm. Same doctor that cleared Chris Bosch. 
Mm. So, so Dorian, a couple of weeks ago, you got like super, super excited that college basketball was back. Yeah. And we kind of blew it off because, you know, it's not March Madness yet, even though we're almost in February. And I, I think I'm, I feel validated with that because like Kansas lost three in a row. North Carolina has looked like garbage <laughs> and doesn't matter because both two teams are going to make the tournament. Yeah. That's what college basketball, the regular season is just foreplay. It's good to have, but you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, also too, I, I just think that the overall talent of basketball, especially college basketball players has went down tremendously. I'm honestly, I'm like, if I had a kid who had, let's say, if my son had an offer from Duke, man, I'm I'm calling overseas to see if there's a team that I can put him on, so so he can learn that international style of play. He can last long and be more well-rounded. Hey, son, you can you can go to college over there. You can do something online. And college, he could go pro over there, get yeah. paid, and still right. learn the game at a better rate. Yeah. Right, exactly. So. You got to figure, you got to remember something. They don't have college teams over there. Right. They don't. We are the and, only country that does college sports teams. And little yeah. Jimmy Duncan between the legs isn't going to start on any of those European teams either. No, because they've been playing on those teams since they were 14, 15 years old. Yeah. So yeah. if you, if you've got a son that is being highly recruited playing basketball, that's great. Send him to the G League. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw a stat. And they're saying that one game, Luca played professionally over in Europe, and he had like fifty points. That show, I'm like, maybe that's not accurate. But it, I mean, I would put it past Luca because he's a because he can he's he's a solid scorer. But it just tells like, do you know if you're 15 years old? They said Luca was 15 years old, averaging 16 points a game amongst men. Do you know how skillful you have to be to do that? You know how much of like like a, a mental like your game mentally has to be sharp to be 15 years old, averaging 16 points a game amongst grown ass men. That's yeah, crazy. I mean, Lucas had the chip on his shoulder for a while, yeah. and he knows it. Yeah. And and I and my question with that: Who would you rather have to start your franchise right now? Luca, Giannis, or Jokic? Luca. Yeah. Luca. Not the Joker. I just think one is younger. Yeah. So that's a bonus. Yeah. And um I don't know. In this game, guards are valued more than big men. Unless yeah. you're the Denver Nuggets. Right. Yeah. And plus, I think of Luca's type of person where, like, he can score, but he's a facilitator. So is, someone... so is Jokic. Yeah. yeah, but guard. There's a premium on guards the way the game is mm-hmm. played today. Right. And wouldn't that be a, a credit for Jokic because he can dominate the non-centers? I mean, the, the, yes, they play center on the court, but they're not actual centers. You got to slow the game down for Jokic, though. Yeah. You don't have to slow the game down for Luka. Luka can play at anybody's pace. He can play slow. He can play fast. Mm-hmm. 
You don't have to get into a half court set for Luka. You kind of do for Jokic. Okay. And the game's not built on the half court set anymore. No, but again, you're building a team around them. So you could build a team that took advantage of it. Like Denver has. I'll tell you what, if you can out rebound Denver and push the ball, you got a good shot against them. Mm-hmm. True. You'll be playing five on four most of the game. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not, not trying to take anything away from Luca because he is fucking amazing. And I think he should win MVP this year. There's just a premium on guards. People yeah. that can play outside, handle the ball, distribute. Jokic can do that, but you have to get everybody down there first. You don't have to wait for anybody with Luca playing. Right. Yeah, and, and That's the, why fa- I take him. the the fast break point that you you made earlier makes sense. I mean, if you got a guy that can push the ball, I mean, yeah, you know, Jokic is good. He's just not as fast as Luca. Like the Nuggets' transition defense has to be a little better than everybody else's because they have to wait for Jokic to catch up. Right. Unless he notices it and leaves out first. But I mean, that's rare for somebody that's in the post. Yeah. He's not and, the fastest guy. No. And even if he leaks out first, he still has to go further. Because as a guard, you're, yeah. you're closer to, to the other side. So I don't know. I like Luca. Giannis, the fact that Giannis can't score outside bottom. Because yeah. now I have to put everybody around him to get the outside shot. Yeah. Okay. Let me expand that question. Is there anyone else in the league that you would take over Luca if you started a, a franchise today? Mm. I don't think so. It wouldn't be Jason Tatum. Steph Curry's too old. KD's too old. too old. KD's too old. KD's still a freak, though. Like, God dang. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I wouldn't build a team around him today just because of the age and injuries. That's a seven footer that can yeah. dribble like somebody that's six six, shoot like somebody that's six six. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. I don't know. It might be Luca. Yeah, absolutely. I can't. I can't think of anybody else where it's like that guy. Yeah, yeah. He will be first. Uh, he will. He will definitely be first. Yeah, but but the gap to number two's well significant. Probably <laughs> probably Jokic and Giannis, but the gap from three yeah. to four is pretty big. Yeah, yeah. And to think, you, you speak about gap gaps, and the other two people that you name aren't even American-born players. No. And the, the only reason why the Americans will probably win gold this upcoming Olympics is because there's a greater selection of talent for the Americans other than a team like Greece or Slovenia. Because while, you know, Luca is from, is it Slovenia or Slovakia? I always f- forget which one. Slovenia, In, I think. Slovenia. And, you know, Giannis is from Greece. There's not a broad selection of talent that compete with the massive amount of talent that the Americans have. Now, they're coming, and if we're not careful, we're going to get passed. And I, I know I've gone on record that the 2028 Olympics, the Americans are not going to win gold. Yeah, um, I think the 2028 Olympics is that. Um, I know I know France. France is coming. France is coming. Um, I saw, I forgot, 
the the seven foot five guy. Uh, Victor Wimbayana or Wimbayana, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever um, that guy, Victor. Yeah, him and there's some other like French players too that's coming up in the ranks where they're like they're gonna be NBA ready and things of that nature. So Wimbayama? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I can't think of it. Sure. Victor Doug. Sure. That guy. Uh, yeah, him. That big guy. Vic. Yeah, big Vic, yeah. Big Vic. Even um even Africa's coming up. Like well, like not Nigeria, um uh, Ghana, uh there's another is it Congo? Yeah, Congo. Like what the NBA has done is they've taken solid coaches and put them in Africa to teach those players. And now you start to see them ball movement, moving the ball, shooting three-pointers. Back in the 90s, um, a lot of the African teams didn't shoot three-pointers. Now they have a three-point shot. They're moving the ball. Like it's – the world is growing, man, and the world is coming. Well, and ball movement will almost always beat hero ball, and that's what's here. Most American players, LeBron, Jason Tatum, hero ball. Mm-hmm. Now they've got the talent to succeed, but you, you get a lot of you get a team going with ball movement that can shoot. Mm-hmm. Look what the Spurs did to the Heat when they were doing that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I said, the only thing that's really gonna hold them back this year or this upcoming Olympics is the is just the collection of talent, the number of players that these countries can put out there. Mm-hmm. But as like the as the LeBrons and the KDs and the Currys as they retire, that the talent gap is going to be significantly shrunk. Mm-hmm. And like like you guys said it, the top three players in the NBA right now are all foreign born. Yep. That's just a lot. Um, now as far as as far as American players, um. I would say to build a team around, probably not um, Jason Tatum. Um, he he is well. I like how he's developed to where he started to be more aggressive, taking it to the rack and not selling for the three pointer this year. Because because the series against the uh, uh, against the Warriors exposed them. You know. I mean, exposed them to the point where people were like, well, well, damn, like we had to get rid of either you or Jalen Brown. We're keeping Jalen. So. Yeah, I did. I did like your idea. I don't think it would ever happen for Jalen Brown to go to Dallas with Luca. Yeah. Because if that happens, just hang it up. Yeah. That's all he needs is just another. Per- and the thing is, I do believe that Jalen Brown will play with Luca. And, and 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 be and consider that one th- that one B role because Luca is like, look, man, I'll give you the ball that you can score. I'm gonna get mine regardless. I just need help. I believe that they'll mess well together. If they come together, man, they're gonna be something to be reckoned with. I, I could see Dallas trading for him. I don't see him signing with Dallas as a free agent. Just mentality was I don't see him going. I'm going from a where I'm a situation where number two mm-hmm. to another situation where number two. Now, if he's traded, to your point, Luca could talk him into staying and all of that. That's completely right. fine. I just I don't see him taking that mindset of I'm in a situation where I'm a number two. 
I'm I'm going to sign a contract or I'm also going to be number two. Well, I mean, but if you're number two, you should probably be number two. I I could see Jalen Brown thinking that he is a number one. And his agent better talk to him. Yeah. I don't know. He, <laughs> he was a better player in that finals than Tatum was. He was. He was. He was. Yeah, because every time the offense ran through Brown instead of Tatum, they were successful. They were. So, yeah, that's that, that's definitely going to be um, in, interesting. But that, that's the type of player that Luca needs to help him, like somebody who's a bona fide scorer and Luca can take – I don't say take games off, but Luca can be like, hey, you know what? It looks like tonight's going to be a, a 18, 20 point, 12, 13 – Assist type of type of night, you know, be able to to give the ball to his right in. Luca needs somebody where he's not taking twenty six shots like he's like he's taking tonight. Mm-hmm. That's what he needs. Right. If if Luca can get that down to like twenty, and you know he'll probably score twenty five to thirty on twenty shots instead of thirty five on twenty six. That that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know and. The whole like averaging a, a triple double for the season, mm-hmm. he would do that basically every single year if he yeah. had help. If he had help, yeah. yeah I, I know means. Jokic is probably going to do it again this year. Yeah. I can see that happen. Yeah, because I think Jokic obviously has double, double digits in the points. I want to say he's second in the league in rebounds and has mm-hmm. averaging 9.9 assists a game. Wow. Yeah. So, but DJ, you, I think you brought up the question: What American player would you build a, a franchise around? Is there one? Mm-hmm. Probably Steph. I mean, let's be honest; it, he's kind of a freak in himself. <clears throat> The thing with Steph, I mean, he's getting up there in age, and I don't disagree with you, but he's getting up there. But, in he's, age. A sh- but he's a shooter. Yeah, he's always gonna be able to shoot. I mean, so Ray Allen could probably shoot right now. As long, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. As long as he can get open, he'll be just fine. I mean, but I mean, is there really anyone else who's got the age and the talent that you go? I'm comfortable building my team around that guy. No, not young. No. That's yeah. and that's a scary thought. Like I'm looking at the top three scores. One of them is an American. The James Harden, Jason, uh, Jason Tatum. Oh, okay. Embiid, Doncic, Atenakumpo, and Shai Julius Alexander. Yeah, I, I thought CJA was American because I know he went to Kentucky. Canadian. Oh, he's Canadian? Okay. Yeah. He's Canadian. Jamal Murray is Canadian. Um, what about Donovan Mitchell? Hmm. I don't like small guards. I like small shooting guards. Yeah. He's like 6'3", 6'4". He's, he's, oh, he's not even that tall. Second generation Dwayne Wade. 
one. Yeah, no, that's not my thing. Yeah. It's not my thing. Maybe John Morant. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Put him on a franchise that doesn't mind spending money. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Or maybe has the money to spend. You would need both. Yeah. But yeah, I, I wouldn't build a team around Dame. Again, we talked about KD's heart and old. LeBron is old. Sure as hell wouldn't build a team around Trey Young. I like Anthony Edwards, but I just don't know if he's that guy. The thing with Edwards is, is he a really good player or is he just really good on a bad team? Well, they weren't so bad last year. They did make the playoffs last year. Yeah, and he was good then also. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that argument would work. But again, he's a smallish guard. He's only 6'4". Don't know. I think I we'll have to stick with my uh, John Moran answer. Final answer. I think it's a good answer. It's not like Trey Young. I'm not a Jalen Brown fan. Kyrie's getting up there. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of a lot of these guys. Yeah. And I've yeah. I've I've lost my taste for NBA basketball, anyways. Well, I think this this is probably why is there really isn't that just superstar. That's young anymore. All all the names that we know are old, mm-hmm. and they're going to retire soon. Oh no! It's it's the jack up threes and play some hard defense. That's what I yeah. like. What's um, going? I, I I hated the Spurs when they were when they were uh, rolling, but man, I miss them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that goes back to what we talked about earlier. So, like, if I've got a, a 17, 18 year old who can you know, is being recruited by top colleges. I'm sending him someplace where he can learn how to play team ball. I'm not mm-hmm. sending them to Kansas or Duke or in or Kentucky where he's just going to play hero ball and he's not going to learn the fundamentals to learn how to play. He's just going to be an A and one player that he can shoot. Imagine an NFL rookie coming in and saying, it's easier for me to score in the NFL than it was in college. You think it would go down like that? No. He'd be getting his ass kicked all year. Donchett said it and then got better. Yeah. yeah. And he's, and he's still getting better. Still getting better. So mm-hmm. baseball players say it's easier for me to hit in the pros than it is in college. Oh, you're in trouble, bud. Yeah. <laughs> you're in trouble. You're yeah. going to see 95 up and in for the rest of the season. You, you best make sure your helmet's on tight. Tight. <laughs> so, yeah, the defense is being completely drained out of the game. One, because nobody knows how to play it. Two, none of them have the will to play it. Yeah. And – is that because they're not taught or they just don't want to? And I don't know if you've ever played any amount of pickup basketball, you will learn that defense is contagious. Yes. Mm-hmm. Once one person stops playing it, the whole team stops playing it. Cause it's like, man, I'm doing all this work and I got no help behind me. Yeah. It's frustrating. And if you get, if you can get two guys on your team to play defense, the other three will do it just cause they don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Pistons won a championship in 04 with Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups because they played extremely great team defense. Well, I'm almost positive Ben Wallace would have killed anybody that did play good defense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you had a guy like Tayshaun Prince. who His arms are, his arms are still ridiculous. Just mm-hmm. the reach he had and the athleticism, like between him and Ben Wallace, that's an awful tough team to get through. Oh, yeah. And then them, the mentality of uh, Rashid Wallace. 
Yeah. Fight on site. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like about kill somebody who doesn't play defense. Yeah. So there's nobody like that anymore. No. They'd rather let you. They'd rather let you take your little two point bucket and I'll shoot a three on the other end. And yeah. just, it's not fun to me. Well, it's not pretty. No. It's it's lazy. Basketball is getting lazy. They might run more and they might score more, but it's getting lazy. They don't. But do do, do they score more? Yes, they score more than when um than in the nineties, but they don't score more than they did back in the eighties. That's the funny part. Is scoring is up compared to the nineties and the early two thousands. But like when the Showtime Lakers were going, when when Bird was was doing his thing, when Jordan was coming into the league, they were still scoring more points than they are now, and they didn't shoot nearly as many threes. Because they knew how to get people open. I believe right. that's the zone. You're allowed to do more zone things in the NBA than you were in the 80s and 90s. Well, because you couldn't play zone. You couldn't play zone until, I want to say, 2010? 2001, 2002. Okay. So I think that has a lot to do with it. You think it has a lot to do with the, the threes or just the scoring in general? Well, if... I'm Syracuse fan, so I got first row seat. If you really want to beat the zone without team play, you got to shoot over. It. Yeah, it take it takes a team to beat the zone if you can't shoot threes. You have to get the ball to the free throw line and then get it out. You have to move the ball. Mm-hmm. You got to move the guys on the baseline. If you're not moving guys on the baseline and everybody's standing around, you're fucked. You, you yeah. got to have movement and you got to have a big man that can pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Which is probably a, why, why Joker a, a, is dominating. A point guard that is supreme penetrator. Yep. Yes. Like top, yeah. top notch. I mean, Syracuse would literally just stand there and force you to shoot threes. And if you couldn't do it, you were losing that night. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember um, when Michigan played Syracuse a couple times in the tournament. And that was when they had Mitch McGarry um, and Trey Burke. And they would just line them up from threes because that was just their game. That's, all you're and, right. That's the only way you're going to do it. And who was the guy from Pittsburgh? Was it um, Pitsnoggle that just terrorized you guys? No. From West Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I remember like every time you'd go against Syracuse, you'd have like a career night because it was just that type of player could destroy that zone. I'm trying to think of who that was. West Virginia was a problem because they always had three guys that could shoot threes. Pittsburgh, it would seem like it was just one guy that would just. Yeah, well, it, it was in the common denominator between West Virginia and Michigan, John Beeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Kevin Pitsnoggle was the guy's name. Mm-hmm. No, he, he didn't do that kind of damage. It was somebody else. He, he was the facilitator that would do that damage. He was the Mitch McGarry player. The, pass, the passes don't matter unless they're hit. <clears throat> He um, I know I I know he had a, a huge March Madness tournament too. Until I forgot what team bounced them out of the Elite Eight. They got bounced out of the Elite Eight. Um, I think what team Texas. Texas. Also Texas in the Sweet Sixteen of the two thousand six season. Mm-hmm. So, oh, was that Texas team with uh, KD? No, because I don't think he ever he never made it past the Sweet Sixteen. That that's why Rick Burns is like the worst coach ever because he 
wasted Kevin Durant in college. See, that's too late. I was looking at 2010. It was before that. It's 2006 is the, the year we're talking about. Yeah, that, that 2006, 2005, 2006 Texas team had LaMarcus Aldridge, P.J. Tucker. Oh, I'm, t- I'm still looking up that Pittsburgh uh, team. Oh, that was, the, was that still um, Jamie Dixon? Is he their coach? Yeah, he was there for a while. No. I don't even think it's Pittsburgh. I really think it's um. I think West I think I think uh, he's right. It's West Virginia. Yeah, because Pittsburgh beat us in different ways. Yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh just beat the crap out of you. That was that was their game. Yeah, it was West Virginia and John Beeline. That was we're just going to shoot. We're going to shoot more threes than twos. Where did Bob Huggins get West Virginia? After Beeline left, I think. Um, he, yeah, because he got there in 2007. Mm. So that would have been when, B, when Beeline went to Michigan. And and by the way, um, John, come back. Uh-huh. We like John. We like we like Jawan. He's good. Like to have him back in the fold. John, come back. Come back to Michigan. <laughs> Because it's, it's just not working. I don't think uh, Beeline's going to fight anybody, though. True. Oh, he might fight the Cavs. <laughs> oh, no, they, they, they just might fight him, one of the two. So on that happy note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Sandlot Sports. Peace. Want more Sandlot Sports? Just follow us on Facebook at Sandlot Sports or on Twitter at Sandlot Sports 21.